everyone, she's I, D.B. Spitzer, hauled away, hold away in self, uh, I don't know, isolation, uh, currently, uh, at Casa D. Blacklock Audio Tales, which is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com, keep your feet warm with some Highland cow slippers in this cold season. It snowed in Portland as I recorded today on, uh, Pi Day, so... Hey, keep your tootsies warm, bunnyslippers.com. And yes, we are in week three of Google, and it's been quite a few three weeks of March, so let's, um, yes. Here we go with more Google. And remember, to keep Blacklock Audio Tales going, why not chuck us out in social media with Facebook at Blacklock Audio Tales. Um, you can also look for us at PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, our monthly show about the Cthulhu Mythos. We generally have guests like Ken Height or Scott, uh, 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 Adam Scott Lancy, uh, David Heath, and all kinds of other sorts of people to talk about all s- uh, sorts of things dealing with weird fiction in the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, you can also help out the show by going to pgttcm.com, hitting a donate button, or going to the shop. We've got cool t-shirts and uh, housewares there that you could purchase and decorate yourself and your dorm room or your cubicle or your barn or your sacrificial chamber or whatever you... Wherever you listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to podcasts in a room. I listen on a bus. Well, then tell the person next to you, why don't you listen to Black Lock Audio Tales? It's an audio tale podcast that tells you a story one chapter at a time or more. And also generally has a theme for its month. This month is Nikolai Gogol as it is his birth month. And so, yes, that is the theme uh, this series birth months. If you haven't gotten it yet, you'll get it now, because I just told you. Uh, and uh, also, check out me, D.B. Spitzer, uh, Twisted Pulp. Search out Twisted Pulp, and uh, I, I, I do a few voices here and there for Mark Slade on Twisted Pulp. Search it out. And here we go with some Google in just a little bit. You know, I like to pad out the uh, last... Uh, Three mi- uh, first three minutes with uh, just me yammering, but pgttcm.com find all episodes of this Dave's Corner of the Universe Articulate Warbling and whatever else I'm producing this week Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario Canada Taras Bulba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vasilevich Gogol from which the reader can easily discover what is contained in it in spite of all the judge's efforts to keep the matter secret all mirgorod knew by the next day that ivan ivanovich's sow had stolen ivan nikiforovich's petition the chief of police himself in a moment of forgetfulness was the first to betray himself when ivan nikiforovich was informed of it he said nothing he merely inquired was it the brown one? But Agafia Fidesovina, who was present, began again to urge on Ivan Nikiforovich. What's the matter with you, Ivan Nikiforovich? 
people will laugh at you as a fool if you let it pass how can you remain a nobleman after that you will be worse than the old woman who sells the honey cakes with hemp-seed oil you are so fond of and the mischief-maker persuaded him she hunted up somewhere a middle-aged man with dark complexion spots all over his face and a dark blue surtout patched on the elbows a regular official scribbler he blacked his boots with tar wore three pens behind his ear and a glass vial tied to his buttonhole with a string instead of an ink bottle ate as many as nine pies at once and put the tenth in his pocket and wrote so many slanders of all sorts on a single sheet of stamped paper that no reader could get through all at the one time without interspersing coughs and sneezes this man labored toiled and wrote and finally concocted the following document to the district judge of mirgorod from the noble ivan dovkochkun son of nikifor in pursuant of my pliant which was presented by me ivan dovkochkun son of nikifor against the nobleman ivan perepenko son of ivan to which the judge of the mirgorod district court has exhibited indifference and the shameless high-handed deed of the brown sow being kept secret and coming to my ears from outside parties and the said neglect plainly malicious lies incontestably at the judge's door for the sow is a stupid animal and therefore unfit for the theft of papers from which it is plainly appears that the said frequently mentioned sow was not otherwise than instigated to the same by the opponent ivan perepenko son of ivan calling himself a nobleman and already convicted of theft conspiracy against life the desecration of a church but the said mirgorod judge with the partisanship peculiar to him gave his private consent to the this individual for without such consent the said sow could by no possible means have been admitted to carry out the document for the judge of the district court of mirgorod is well provided with servants it was only necessary to summon a soldier who is always on duty in the reception room and who although he has but one eye and one somewhat damaged arm has powers quite adequate to driving out a sow and to beating it with a stick for which is credibly evident the criminal negligence of said mirgorod judge and the incontestable sharing of the jew-like spoils thereupon resulting from these mutual conspirators and the aforesaid robber and nobleman ivan perepenko son of ivan having disgraced himself finished his turning on his lathe wherefore i noble ivan dovkochkun son of nikifor declare to the said district judge in proper form that if the said brown sow or the man per perepenko be not summoned to the court and judgment in accordance with justice and my advantage pronounced upon her then i 
Ivan Dovkochkun's son of Nikifor, shall present a pliant, with observant of all due formalities against the said district judge for his illegal partisanship to the superior courts. Ivan Dovkochkun, son of Nikifor, noble of the Mirgorod district. This petition produced its effect. The judge was a man of timid disposition, as all good people generally are. He betook himself to the secretary, but the secretary emitted from his lips a thick mmm and exhibited on his countenance that indifference and diabolically equivocal expression which Satan alone assumes when he sees his victim hastening to his feet. One resource remained to him to reconcile the two friends, but how to set about it, when all attempts up to that time had been so unsuccessful? Nevertheless, it was decided to make another effort, but Ivan Ivanovitch declared outright that he would not hear of it, and even flew into a violent passion, whilst Ivan Nikiforovitch, in lieu of an answer, turned his back and would not utter a word. Then the case went on with the usual promptness upon which courts usually pride themselves. Documents were dated, labeled, numbered, sewn together, registered all in one day, and the matter laid on the shelf, where it continued to lie, for one, two, or three years. Many brides were married, a new street was laid out in Mirgorod. One of the judge's double teeth fell out, and two of his eye teeth. More children than ever ran about Ivan Ivanovitch's yard. Ivan Nikiforovitch, as a reproof to Ivan Ivanovitch, constructed a new goose shed, although a little farther back than the first, and built himself completely off from his neighbor, so that these worthy people hardly ever beheld each other's faces. But still the case laid in the cabinet, which had become marbled with ink pots. In the meantime, a very important event for all Mirgorod had taken place. The chief of police had given a reception. Whence shall I obtain a brush and colors to depict this varied gathering and magnificent feast? Take your watch, open it, and look what's going on inside. A fearful confusion, is it not? Now imagine almost the same, if not a greater number of wheels standing in the chief of police's courtyard. How many carriages and wagons were there? One was wide behind and narrow in front, another narrow behind and wide in front. One was a carriage and a wagon combined, another neither a carriage nor a wagon. One resembled a huge hayrick or a fat merchant's wife, another a dilapidated Jew or a skeleton not quite freed from the skin. One was a perfect pipe with a long stem in profile, another, resembling nothing whatever, suggested some strange, shapeless, fantastic object. In the midst of this chaos of wheels rose coaches with windows like those of a room. The drivers, in grey Cossack coats, gabardines and white hareskin coats, sheepskin hats and caps of various patterns and with pipes in their hands drove the unharnessed horses through the yard 
what a reception the chief of police gave permit me to run through the list of those who were there taras tarasovitch f bull akinfovitch f Ivan ivan ivanovitch not that ivanovitch but another gaba barilanovitch our ivanovitch ilefiriye ilefiriyevich makar nazarovich toma gigarovich i can say no more my powers fail me my hands stop writing and how many ladies were there dark and fair tall and short some fat like ivan nikirovitch and some so thin that it seemed as though each one might hide herself in the scabbard of the chief's sword what headdresses what costumes red yellow coffee-colored green blue new turned remade dresses ribbons recticules farewell poor eyes you will never be good for anything any more after such a spectacle and how long the table was drawn out and how all talked and what a noise they made what is a mill with its driving wheel stones beams hammers wheels in comparison with this i cannot tell you exactly what they talked about but presumably of many agreeable and useful things such as weather dogs wheat cap and dice at length ivan ivanovitch not our ivanovitch but the other who had but one eye said it strikes me as strange that my right eye this one-eyed ivan ivanovitch always spoke sarcastically about himself does not see ivan nikiforovitch gospodin dovkochkun he would not come said the chief of police why not it's two years now gory to glod since they quarrelled that is ivan ivanovitch and ivan nikiforovitch where one goes the other will not go you don't say so thereupon one-eyed ivanovitch raised his eye and clasped his hands well if people with good eyes cannot live in peace how am i to live amicably with my bad one at these words they all laughed at the top of their voices every one liked one-eyed ivan ivanovitch because he cracked jokes in that style a tall thin man in a frayed coat with a plaster on his nose who up to this time had sat in the corner and never once altered the expression of his face even when a fly lighted on his nose rose from his seat and approached nearer to the crowd which surrounded one-eyed ivan ivanovitch listen said ivan ivanovitch when he perceived that quite a throng had collected about him suppose we make peace between our friends ivan ivanovitch is talking with the women and girls let us send quietly for ivan nikiforovitch and bring them together ivan ivanovitch's proposal was unanimously agreed to and it was decided to send at once to ivan nikiforovitch's house and beg him at any rate to come to the chief of police's for dinner 
but the difficult question as to who was to be entrusted with this weighty commission rendered all thoughtful they debated long as to who was the most expert in diplomatic matters at length it was unanimously agreed to depute anton prokofievitch to do this business but it is necessary first of all to make the reader somewhat acquainted with this noteworthy person anton prokofievitch was a truly good man in the fullest meaning of the term if any one in mirgorod gave him a neckerchief or underclothes he returned thanks if any one gave him a fillip on the nose he returned thanks too if he was asked why anton prokofievitch do you wear a light brown coat with blue sleeves he generally replied ah you haven't one like it wait a bit it will soon fade and will be alike all over and in point of fact the blue cloth from the effects of the sun began to turn cinnamon color and became of the same tint as the rest of the coat but the strange part of it was that anton prokofievitch had a habit of wearing woolen clothing in summer and nanking in winter anton prokofievitch had no house of his own he used to have one on the outskirts of the town but he sold it and with the purchase money bought a team of brown horses and a little carriage in which he drove about to stay with the squires but as the horses were a deal of trouble and money was required for oats anton prokofievitch bartered them for a violin and a housemaid with twenty-five paper roubles to boot afterwards anton prokofievitch sold the violin and exchanged the girl for a morocco and gold tobacco pouch now he has such a tobacco pouch as no one else has as a result of this luxury he can no longer go about among country houses but has to remain in the town and pass the night at different houses especially of those gentlemen who take pleasure in tapping him on the nose anton prokofievitch is very fond of good eating and plays a good game of cards obeying orders always was his forte so taking his hat and cane he set out at once on his errand but as he walked along he began to ponder in what manner he should contrive to induce ivan nikiforovitch to come to the assembly the unbending character of the latter who was otherwise a worthy man rendered the undertaking almost hopeless how indeed was he to persuade him to come when even rising from his bed cost him so great an effort but supposing he did rise how could he get him to come where as he doubtless knew his irreconcilable enemy already was the more anton prokofievitch reflected the more difficulties he perceived the day was sultry the sun beat down the perspiration poured from him in streams anton prokofievitch was a tolerably sharp man in many respects though he did tap him on the nose in bartering however he was not fortunate he knew very well when to play the fool and sometimes contrived to turn things 
to his own profit amid circumstances and surroundings from which a wise man could rarely escape without loss his ingenious mind had contrived a means of persuading ivan nikiforovitch and he was proceeding bravely to face everything when an unexpected occurrence somewhat disturbed his equanimity there is no harm at this point in admitting to the reader that among other things anton prokofievitch was the owner of a pair of trousers of such singular properties that whenever he put them on the dogs always bit his calves unfortunately he had donned this particular pair of trousers and he had hardly given himself up to meditation before a fearful barking on all sides saluted his ears anton prokofievitch raised such a yell no one could scream louder than he that not only did the well-known woman and the occupant of the endless coat rushed out to meet him but even the small boys from ivan ivanovitch's yard but although the dogs succeeded in tasting only one of his calves this sensibility diminished his courage and he entered the porch with a certain amount of timidity End of section 21 And chapter 6 Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada Taras Bulba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vasilevich Gogol How a reconciliation was sought to be effected and a lawsuit ensued Ah! how do you do why do you irritate the dogs said ivan nikiforovitch on perceiving anton prokofievitch for no one spoke otherwise than jestingly with anton prokofievitch hang them who's been irritating them retorted anton prokofievitch you have by heavens no you are invited to dinner by peter fedorovitch mm. He invites you in a more pressing manner than I can tell you. Why, says he, does Ivan Nikiforovitch shun me like an enemy? He never comes round to have a chat or make a call. Ivan Nikiforovitch stroke his beard. If, says he, Ivan Nikiforovitch does not come now, I shall not know what to think. Surely he must have some design against me. Pray, Anton Prokofievitch persuade ivan nikiforovitch come ivan nikiforovitch let us go a very choice company is already met there ivan nikiforovitch began to look at a cock which was perched on the roof crowing with all its might if you only knew ivan nikiforovitch pursued the zealous ambassador what fresh sturgeon and caviar peter fedorovitch has had sent to him whereupon ivan nikiforovitch turned his head and began to listen attentively this encouraged the messenger come quickly toma kurikarovitch is there too why don't you come he added seeing that ivan nikiforovitch still lay in the same position shall we go or not i won't 
this i won't startled anton prokofievitch he had fancied that his alluring representations had quite moved this very worthy man but instead he heard the decisive i won't why won't you he asked with a vexation which he very rarely exhibited even when they put burning paper on his head a trick which the judge and the chief of police were particularly fond of indulging in ivan nikiforovitch took a pinch of snuff just as you like ivan nikiforovitch i do not know what detains you why don't i go said ivan nikiforovitch at length because that brigand will be there this was his ordinary way of alluding to ivan ivanovitch just god and it is long he will not be there he will not be there maybe the lightning killed me on the spot returned anton prokofievitch who was ready to perjure himself ten times in an hour come along ivan nikiforovitch you lie anton prokofievitch he is there by heavens by heavens he's not may i never stir from this place if he's there now just think for yourself what object have i in lying may my hands and feet wither what you don't believe me now may i perish right here in your presence don't you believe me yet ivan nikiforovitch was entirely reassured by these asseverations and ordered his valet in the boundless coat to fetch his trousers and nanking spencer to describe how ivan nikiforovitch put on his trousers how they wound the, his knickerchief around his neck and finally dragged on his spencer which burst under the left sleeve would be quite superfluous suffice it to say that during the whole of the time he perceived a becoming calmness of demeanour and answered not a word to anton prokofievitch's proposition to exchange something for his turkish tobacco pouch meanwhile the assembly awaited with impatience the decisive moment when ivan nikiforovitch should make his appearance and at length complied with the general desire that these worthy people should be reconciled to each other many were almost convinced that ivan nikiforovitch would not come even the chief of police offered to bet with one-eyed ivan ivanovitch that he would not come and only desisted when one-eyed ivanovitch demanded that he should wager his lame foot against his own vile eye at which the chief of police was greatly offended and the company enjoyed a quiet laugh no one had yet sat down to the table although it was long past two o'clock an hour before which in mirgorod even on ceremonial occasions everyone had already dined no sooner did anton prokofievitch show himself in the doorway than he was instantly surrounded anton prokofievitch in answer to all inquiries shouted the all-decisive words he will not come no sooner had he uttered them than a hailstorm of reproaches scoldings and possibly even phillips were about to descend upon his head for the ill success of his mission 
when all at once the door opened and Ivan Nikiforovitch entered. If Satan himself or a corpse had appeared, it would not have caused such consternation among the company as Ivan Nikiforovitch's unexpected arrival created. But Anton Prokofievitch only went off into a fit of laughter and held his sides with delight at having played such a joke upon the company. At all events, it was almost past the belief of all that Ivan Nikiforovitch could, in so brief a space of time, have attired himself like a respectable gentleman. Ivan Ivanovitch was not there at the moment. He had stepped out somewhere. Recovering from their amazement, the guests expressed an interest in Ivan Nikiforovitch's health and their pleasure at his increase in breadth. Ivan Nikiforovitch kissed everyone and said, Very much obliged. Meantime, the fragrance of the beef soup was wafted through the apartment and tickled the nostrils of the hungry guests very agreeably. All rushed headlong to the table. The line of ladies, loquacious and silent, thin and stout, swept on, and the long table soon glittered with all the hues of the rainbow. I will not describe the courses. I will make no mention of the curd dumplings with sour cream, nor of the dish of pigs fried that was served with the soup, nor of the turkey with plums and raisins, nor of the dish which generally resembled in appearance a boot soaked in kwas, nor of the sauce which is the swan song of the old-fashioned cook, nor of that other dish which was brought in all enveloped in the flames of spirit, and amused as well as frightened the ladies extremely. I will say nothing of these dishes, because I like to eat them better than to spend many words in discussing them. Ivan Ivanovitch was exceedingly pleased with the fish dressed with horseradish. He devoted himself especially to this useful and nourishing preparation. Picking out all the fine bones from the fish, he laid them on his plate, and happening to glance across the table, heavenly creator, but this was strange. Opposite him sat Ivan Nikiforovitch. At the very same instant, Ivan Nikiforovitch glanced up also. No, I can't do no more. Give me a fresh pen with a fine point for this picture. Mine is flabby. Their faces seemed to turn to stone while still retaining their defiant expression. Each beheld a long, familiar face to which it should have seemed the most natural of things to step up involuntarily as to an unexpected friend and offer a snuff-box with the words do me the favor or dare i beg you to do me the favor instead of this the face was terrible as a forerunner of evil the perspiration poured in streams from ivan ivanovitch and ivan nikiforovitch all the guests at the table grew dumb with attention and never once took their eyes off the former friends the ladies who had been busy up to that time on a sufficiently interesting discussion as to the preparation of capons suddenly cut their conversation short all was silent 
it was a picture worthy of the brush of a great artist at length ivan ivanovitch pulled out his handkerchief and began to blow his nose whilst ivan nikiforovitch glanced about and his eye rested on the open door the chief of police at once perceived this movement and ordered the door to be fastened then both of the friends began to eat and never once glanced at each other again as soon as dinner was over the two former friends both rose from their seats and began to look for their hats with a view to departure then the chief beckoned and ivan ivanovitch not our ivan ivanovitch but the other one with the one eye got behind ivan nikiforovitch and the chief stepped behind ivan ivanovitch and the two began to drag them backwards in order to bring them together and not release them till they had shaken hands with each other ivan ivanovitch the one-eyed pushed ivan nikiforovitch with tolerable success towards the spot where stood ivan ivanovitch but the chief of police directed his course too much to one side because he could not steer himself with his refractory leg which obeyed no orders whatever on this occasion and as if with malice and aforethought swung itself uncommonly far and in quite the contrary direction possibly from the fact that there had been an unusual amount of fruit wine after dinner so that ivan ivanovitch fell over a lady in a red gown who had thrust herself into the very midst out of curiosity such an omen forebode no good nevertheless the judge in order to set things to rights took the chief of police's place and sweeping all the snuff from his upper lip with his nose pushed ivan ivanovitch in the opposite direction in mirgorod this is the usual manner of effecting a reconciliation it somewhat resembles a game of ball as soon as the judge pushed ivan ivanovitch ivan ivanovitch with the one eye exerted all his strength and pushed ivan nikiforovitch for whom the perspiration streamed like rain-water from a roof in spite of the fact that the friends resisted to the best of their ability they were nevertheless brought together for the two chief movers received reinforcements from the ranks of their guests then they were closely surrounded on all sides not to be released until they had decided to give one another their hands god be with you ivan nikiforovitch and ivan ivanovitch declare upon your honour now that what you quarrelled about were mere trifles were they not are you not ashamed of yourself before people and before god i do not know said ivan nikiforovitch panting with fatigue though it is to be observed that he was not at all disinclined to a reconciliation i do not know what i did to ivan ivanovitch but why did he destroy my coop and plot against my life i am innocent of any evil designs said ivan ivanovitch never looking at ivan nikiforovitch i swear before god and before you honourable nobleman i did nothing to my enemy why does he culminate me and insult my rank and family 
how have i insulted you ivan ivanovitch said ivan nikiforovitch one moment more of explanation and the long enmity would have been extinguished ivan nikiforovitch was already feeling in his pocket for his snuff-box and was about to say do me the favor it is not an insult answered ivan ivanovitch without raising his eyes when you my dear sir insulted my honor and my family with a word which is improper to repeat here permit me to observe in a friendly manner ivan ivanovitch here ivan nikiforovitch touched ivan ivanovitch's button with his finger which clearly indicated the disposition of his mind that you took offence the deuce only knows at what because i called you a goose it occurred to ivan nikiforovitch that he had made a mistake in uttering that word but it was too late the word was said everything went to the winds it on the utterance of this word without witness ivan ivanovitch lost control of himself and flew into such a passion as god preserves us from beholding any man in what was to be expected now i put it to you dear readers what was to be expected now when the fatal word was uttered in an assemblage of persons among whom were ladies in whose presence ivan ivanovitch liked to be particularly polite if ivan nikiforovitch had set to work in any other manner if he had only said bird and not goose it might still have been arranged but all was at an end he gave one look at ivan nikiforovitch but such a look if that look had possessed active power then it would have turned ivan nikiforovitch into dust the guest understood the look and hastened to separate them and this man the very model of gentleness who never let a single poor woman go by without interrogating her rushed out in a fearful rage such violent storms do passions produce for a whole month nothing was heard of ivan ivanovitch he shut himself up at home his ancestral chest was opened and from it were taken silver roubles his grandfather's old silver roubles and these roubles passed into the ink-stained hands of legal advisers the case was set up to the higher court and when ivan ivanovitch received the joyful news that it would be decided on the morrow then only did he look out upon the world and resolve to emerge from his house alas from that time forth the council gave notice day by day that the case would be finished on the morrow for the space of ten years five years ago i passed through the town of mirgorod I came at a bad time. It was autumn, with its damp, melancholy weather, mud and mist, an unnatural verdure, the result of incessant rains, covered with a watery network, the fields and meadows, to which it is as well suited as useful pranks to an old man, or roses to an old woman. The weather made a deep impression on me at the time when it was dull i was dull but in spite of this when i came to pass through mirgorod my heart beat violently god what reminiscences 
I had not seen Mirgorod for twenty years. Here had lived, in touching friendship, two inseparable friends, and how many prominent people had died. Judge Demyan Demyanovitch was already gone. Ivan Ivanovitch, with the one eye, had long ceased to live. I entered the main street. All about stood poles with bundles of straw on top. Some alterations were in progress. Several dwellings had been removed. The remnants of board and wattle fences projected sadly here and there. It was a festival day. I ordered my basket chaise to stop in front of the church and entered softly that no one might turn around. To tell the truth, there was no need of this. The church was almost empty. There were very few people. It was evident that even the most pious feared the mud. The candles seemed strangely unpleasant in that gloomy or rather sickly light. The dim vestibule was melancholy. The long windows, with their circular panes, were bedewed with tears of rain. I retired into the vestibule and, addressing a respectable old man with grayish hair, said, May I inquire if Ivan Nikiforovitch is still living? At that moment the lamp before the holy picture burned up more brightly and the light fell directly upon the face of my companion. What was my surprise, on looking more closely, to behold features with which I was acquainted? It was Ivan Nikiforovitch himself, but how had he changed? Are you well, Ivan Nikiforovitch? How old have you grown? Yes, I have grown old. I have just come from Poltava today, answered Ivan Nikiforovitch. You don't say so. You have been to Poltava in such bad weather. What was to be done, that lawsuit? At this I sighed involuntarily. Ivan Nikiforovitch observed my sigh and said, Do not be troubled. I have a reliable information that the case will be decided next week and in my favor. I shrugged my shoulders and went to seek news of Ivan Ivanovitch. Ivan Ivanovitch is here, someone said to me, in the choir. I saw a gaunt form. Was that Ivan Ivanovitch? His face covered with wrinkles. His hair was perfectly white but the police was the same as ever. After the first greetings were over, Ivan Ivanovitch turning to me with a joyful smile, which always became his funnel-shaped face, said, Have you been told the good news? What news? I inquired. My case is to be decided tomorrow without fail. The court has announced it decisively. I sighed more deeply than before, made haste to take my leave, for I was bound on a very important business, and seated myself in my kibitka. The lean nags known in Mirgorod as post-horses started, producing with their hoofs, which were buried in a grey mass of mud, a sound very displeasing to the ear. The rain poured in torrents upon the Jews seated on the box, covered with a rug. The dampness penetrated through and through me. The gloomy barrier with a sentry box, in which an old soldier was repairing his weapons, was passed slowly. 
again the same fields in some places black where they had been dug up in others of a greenish hue wet daws and crows monotonous rain a tearful sky without one gleam of light it is gloomy in this world gentlemen end of section twenty two chapter seven